Homestyle Green, Episode 54. This week, architectural designer Dean Buckeridge. We discuss when thermal mass goes wrong, the problem with teenage daughters, and what's mag rock. G'day, Matthew Cutler-Welsh here, and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. It's great to be here with you. And it has been two weeks since my last episode, and it's been a busy time in the Cutler-Welsh household. For those that don't know, I also produce two other podcasts, uh, both of which my wife is involved with, one called If Only They Told Me, and which Natalie co-hosts with Jackie um her co-author of an upcoming book by the same title and uh, it's been very exciting to watch that progress so if you haven't checked that out it's a it's a great podcast uh, for family and relationships so that uh, has been keeping me pretty busy the other one is a new relatively new podcast that um, we're producing here in the studio called go to girl and that's all about social media and I have mentioned that in the past and it's relevant, I think, for all of us who are involved in the building industry because when I, uh, I've, I've spoken to a few people now, particularly um, architects, and one of the key messages is that we will have more influence, that is designers, builders, etc. We have the ability to be more influenced if we can connect with more people. And that's what social media is all about. So if you would like some help in that area and you want to get online or you want to find out a bit more about what the options are, or just get a bit of a helping hand to get started, then there are loads of resources that are available online. And I definitely recommend it. And I don't think we can hide behind some uh, stigma of social media anymore and say, oh, Facebook's not really relevant to us or I'm a technical person, I don't need to worry about marketing. I think we do that at our own peril, particularly if you're running a small business, which a lot of people in the building industry in New Zealand are. So I think it it uh, is up to you to get out there and get that stuff sorted. Uh, it should definitely have a website, should definitely have a Facebook page, should probably have a Twitter or be thinking about Twitter uh, um, account as well. And then there's, of course, Google+. Plus. The other one is LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is really um, important if you are professional or even a tradesperson. I think there's a lot of scope to get involved in some of the groups there. So all of that might seem quite overwhelming, and that's where someone like Nat could help, but there are lots of other resources out there on the great wide web as well. So um, that's also been keeping me busy. Now, I will jump into today's interview because uh, it's a, a bit of a long one so I've got some announcements you might want to hang around uh, and catch those at the end but um, Dean Buckeridge I have been wanting to speak with Dean for a while I've I've, um, I've known about Dean for a long time and he's one of those guys that I knew about because he's been doing really good energy efficient design of homes for uh, probably about 20 years and has made a very good name for himself, been doing this stuff and, and uh, has some great experience in Christchurch. So it was a pleasure to catch up with him and to find out a bit more about his journey to be building and designing and providing great energy efficient, efficient homes, particularly for New Zealanders. Also check out the product that he is getting involved with at the moment called Magrock and he talks a little bit about in this interview. Okay, enjoy. I'll talk to you after the show. 
G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh and with me today I'm very happy to be speaking with Dean Buckeridge from Christchurch. Now, in the time that I have known uh, good developers, good designers and people doing good stuff in Christchurch, there are two names that keep cropping up. One is um, Russell Devlin of Solar Architect and the other is Dean Buckeridge and Dean you've been doing some inspiring stuff and doing energy efficient design kind of before it it became into vogue and and you've been doing some really good stuff before the likes of Homestar and and probably even hers was was around um can you give uh give the listeners a bit of an introduction as into what you do and why you do it um, well, my um, where, where it all come from for me is that um, you know, I was born and raised in Christchurch, and um, just became very aware that our houses weren't very good. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, I, you know, I grew up as a um, developed asthma and all those sorts of all those typical things that that we. That we consider to be normal, but um, I just always felt that there would be there, there was a better way. Um, yeah. And I, um, well, when I was at school and from a young age, I was very interested in architecture. But I got sort of pushed away from that um, during my school years and ended up retraining. Um, started that when I was in my late twenties. Um, and so, I, I guess, like a lot of people who retrain, it came at it with a with a um, a lot of sort of uh, pent up frustration, almost, and really wanted to get in a, in a hurry. Yeah. Um, and it was through that training process through the um, through the Christchurch Polytech, and I, I had some really good experiences with some excellent tutors there. Um, Perry Royal um, was one in particular. Um, Richard Grosser, who was an Australian architect, um, and they were introducing all of these um, new concepts, new ideas, and 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 this idea that houses could be warm and comfortable and um, easy to heat, um, and so that, that sort of triggered that process, and and it was just a you know simple things like passive solar design. Mm-hmm. Very easy concept to grasp, but I couldn't understand why nobody, why it really wasn't getting much attention. Um, and so when I started doing my own design work, it was, you know, I just found it very easy to start laying houses out um, at the planning stage so that they got sun into the rooms at the time of day that you use each room. Um, yeah. And that just made them comfortable, um, a lot warmer, a lot easier to heat. Um, and so that it, it just sort of developed from there, getting more insulation under houses. Um, you know, it, it's double glazing seemed a no-brainer to me from 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 way back. And if a bit of insulation was good, you know, why not have more? Yep. Um, then I started understanding the the benefits of, of thermal mass, and and um, it and. I mean, I guess where I'm at with thermal mass at the moment is is that um, I sort of feel I have a good understanding of its limitations now, um, and that it, you know, 
thermal mass can be good, but it can also be a a, um, a real problem if you get mm. it wrong. Mm. Uh, I'd like to uh, come on to that. I just want to pick up on, on one of the first comments. You said you were pushed away from uh, architecture initially. Why was that? Oh, at the time I started high school, they um, uh, they gave us all the tests to tell us where our, where our um, skills were, and mine were right. around languages and sciences. So, um, Is that but, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that? I, I, that wasn't seen as a, a, a right fit? No, no, no. And, and what was strange was that um, the other thing was that, that I was told that we were only 200 people taken for the School of Architecture each year um, and my grades weren't high enough. Uh, but nobody mentioned the, the Polytech here in Christchurch and, and the fact that 75% of the people that were getting into the School of Architecture were going through um, the Polytech process first. Um, and I think the... Um, the the polytech does a really good job. You understand how buildings go together. Yeah, um, it's 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 um, you know, the, the practical side. You know, the, the Germans have um, universities um, that are based around um, building science. Yeah, yeah. We don't do that. You yeah, know, we, have, we do architecture at um, um, at, at Wellington and at Vic and. Um, you know, we we put buildings together through through the polytechs, um, but we don't really have a have a strong background in building science. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's quite a high, a well regarded profession overseas um, yes. uh, across the board. Now, the other thing you mentioned a few things there. One, getting asthma was normal, and um, designing warm and comfortable homes was something new. Uh, which kind of seems a bit strange that that would be such a, a new concept uh, when you were studying, and yet it was relatively common sense for you to to design that way. Absolutely, um, um, and it, I, I was just stunned, you know, going around new subdivisions, looking at houses. Look, you know, just the houses that that people I knew lived in, um, how poorly laid out they were for the sun, and how little consideration was given to the whole design process. So, why has that not changed much? Um, I don't think that um, many people understand the difference or appreciate the difference. Um, you know, I've been promoting um, myself as, um, you know, working in the area of energy efficient mm. design for um, quite a long time now, you know, probably close to 20 years. Um, and, you know, initially that was, that was, um, that was a bit weird. Um, it was area and um, some of the clients that, approached me were quite interesting people as well um, and it, it's 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 been the last you know the last eight to ten years where it's really started to become quite strong um, and particularly with a lot of um, people from Europe um, yep. you know a lot of clients from the UK um, and um, you know, from central central Europe and they and they they sit down and they say they can't believe how cold our houses are. Yeah. 
Um, and there are plenty of Kiwis who've been over there, um, spent a few years in properly built, you know, well insulated, well heated buildings. And they come back here, and the first thing that happens is they go through their first winter here, and they get sick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it doesn't need to be like that. I quite often tell people now that the best houses in New Zealand are generally either owned or designed by people with accents. Yep. Because they and they tend to be people who have either come overseas from overseas or, like you say, Kiwis who have gone over, experienced what houses should be like and then don't settle for what's commonly available here and perhaps that's part of the issue that you've got to experience both before you appreciate how bad most of the existing stock is would you say that is part of the the challenge of getting people into warm homes so they can actually feel what the difference is um yes um i i think i think that's part of it um I think we talk a lot about um, housing affordability yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and what does that mean for you? Well, everybody thinks about it in relation to um, building costs mm -hmm. and mortgage repayments. Um, but what we don't do is we don't consider the actual running costs of the house in yep. that as well. Uh, I think it was Jerry Brownlee came out a couple of years ago and said that the price of electricity um, was rising at um, sort of twice or three times the rate of inflation. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't, it's not going to take too many years um, before the costs of heating our houses and running our houses is going to become quite significant. Yeah. Um, and particularly for um, <laughs> You know, clients who I deal with who, who, who might be in their you know, late 50s onwards where they're building a house and they're thinking about um, retirement. Mm, mm. They're going to be retiring onto a fixed income mm. um, and they don't want to see an increasing portion of that income uh, being spent you know, just on energy to keep the house warm. Yeah. <coughs> so there's a, a lot of those people that you know, do start to then focus on on, on the actual costs yeah. of running Yeah. Um, I, I did a wee bit of work with um, one of my near neighbours, a guy called Roland Hoffmans, um, who was a he was a mortgage broker for Mike Perro. He was an independent person. Right. And what we were looking at was the benefits of spending. Um, we worked on thirty thousand dollars extra. Mm -hmm. so, adding an extra $30,000 to a mortgage so that you could um, improve the value, the, the insulation, improve the glazing, um, put on some solar water heating and, and some photovoltaics. Then using the, the energy savings, um, reinvesting those back into the mortgage. Um, and, the, and the figures that he came up with um, were quite stunning. Um, you know, I think... From memory, something like a, a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage over twenty five years, um, and he was looking at, at what would happen if you reinvested an extra. You know, if, you, if if your average energy saving was one hundred and fifty dollars a month, yeah, you reinvest that back into your mortgage. Yeah, um, the the 
it significantly reduced the term of the mortgage and significantly reduced the amount of um, interest. Right. So if you make your initial loan, instead of being 250000 you make it 280000 Yes. But make the payments, you're able to make the, the repayments higher because you're not spending as much on running costs and power, then you actually come out better off in the end. Correct. Plus, you're and probably it, going to be more healthy and happy and, oh, <laughs> and more productive. Yes. Uh, uh, with you and and have a better family as well. And it's it's um it's quite easy to work out because you there's a um, website sorted.org. Yep. Um, and you can you can go there and um, play around with the numbers and yeah. and see what happens. There's a there's a um, facility where you, where you can. And put those extra payments in, see what happens to your mortgage. And so, was this for a new house or for a retrofit? This was for a new house. Right, right. Um, um, now, I just wanted to um, loop back to make sure we talk about thermal mass because you mentioned there about the uh, obviously most people are familiar with the, the benefits of thermal mass, but you mentioned that there are some there's some dangers in that. Do you want to? Um, explain a little bit about what that what that means. Um, the easiest way to explain it is that um, if you get thermal mass wrong, um, and as much as you have too much thermal mass and you're not getting enough um, free heat to keep that up to temperature, mm. um, free heat, I mean sunshine. Yep. Um, you effectively end up with a wine cellar type effect, um, and that's that's it's great for storing wine, uh, but it's yeah. not um, conditions for you know healthy living. Yeah, um, so you can also get an overheating effect too if you've got if you've got thermal mass um, being exposed, particularly to to late sun from the west um, in the summer. Um, that can really heat up, and you can end up with a with a situation where you've got floors or walls um, that long after the sun's gone down um, are still radiating significant amounts of, of heat out. Yeah, um, which is, of course, what you want in wintertime. It's what you want in wintertime. Um, one of the things that most people um, don't understand until they experience it is that if you've got thermal mass working well, and say it's a, um, it's a hard floor, surface over over a concrete floor that's mm -hmm. insulated underneath um when that is sitting there at, at say you know 22 24 degrees celsius mm -hmm. um if if it gets much warmer than that um it's going to be radiating heat into the room and, and the air temperature will rise above a comfortable level um but if you've got bare feet um your skin temperature is 37, mm. the floor is going to be 24, it's still going to feel cool to touch. So sometimes people um, will have a, um, they'll have a hard floor, they'll have some form of heating in it, either hydronic or electric. They'll be turning that up so that the floor feels warm to the touch. Right. It's, it's putting too much heat into the room. That Which is, having, what, 37 degrees? Yep. So, so it's putting too much heat in the room, so they're having to ventilate it out. Um, so they're pumping all this heat into the into the into the floor to keep it warm. Then they're getting rid of the excess heat, and and they're they're um you know they're 
their power bills or their fuel bills are high. Right. Uh, and so it's 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 um, I guess giving people to understand that that if you're going to, if you're going to use a floor for the um, thermal mass, you've got to be aware that it's not going to be necessarily be a warm temperature um, to the touch. Yep. For it to be doing its job. So if you want warm, cosy feet, you risk overheating the air above it. Correct. And you hinted there towards not uh, putting too much directly facing, too much uh, thermal mass directly facing the westerly glazing. Um, what what are some other tips or strategies for either having the, that wine cellar, avoiding the wine cellar effect or for, for overheating? What do people need to think about? Um, you've got to pay particular attention to um, roof widths and, and shading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that when the the in the middle of summer when the sun is high, uh, the sun angle is high. It's not penetrating into the house uh, in the middle of the day when you when you don't want heat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one of the things I've found, particularly with my own house, is is that um, because it's on a on a on a steep side um, and. Um, the angle of the of the, of the slope, um, and a lot of it's suspended in the air, so we, we don't have a lot of thermal mass. Where we do have the thermal mass, um, it's a lot of how efficiently the house works depends on uh, depends on the occupants. Um, the the worst thing for an energy efficient house is um, teenage girls, and I've had three of them. Um, <laughs> Because they just don't get it. Um, so, you know, our house can be can be comfortable in a, in a wide range of temperatures, um, and that's just by controlling a bit of ventilation. Uh, we've designed this with a, a, a central stairwell that acts as a thermal chimney. Yeah. And um, because um, of just the situation where we are, and we've got views to the west. Um, we've got a lot of west-facing glass, so a lot of that is, is um, um, able to open up large doors. Um, we're able to change the air and the house very quickly when we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've gone for low thermal mass so that it doesn't store too much heat. Right. Um, so that was by design. So that, that was that was that was by design, mm-hmm. um, so that we weren't overcooking it. Um, and do you uh, did you model these features, or is this by experience? It's by experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found is that two lots of people living in the identical houses and identical conditions will occupy those spaces very differently. Right. Um, and I think that there's a um, modelling gives you a specific set of circumstances to it. To where, where you know, you, you say, okay, we, we, we're putting this much energy into a house, we're getting this much solar gain, um, we're opening and closing the door so many times. Mm. You know, you've you've got all these theoretical losses, and and my experience is that people just don't don't live that way. Um, right. Especially so, teenage girls. Especially teenage girls. Um, so it, it 
what I, what I what I what I try and do with with the design um, is is I'll tend to design a house so that it has the capacity to. Um, I'd rather that it was was that it, that it would overheat um, than be too cold, but design it so that you've got lots of natural ventilation in there. Um, so that if you do get caught out, um, you know, if you go out during during a grey day, the sun comes out, it's streaming into the house, and you haven't got any any windows open. Yeah. Um, you can come back and you can you can you can quickly vent it, um, get it to where it's comfortable, and then and then run the house from there. Yeah. Um, so it's about it's about giving control uh, if, if if it's desired and, and where it's desired, giving yes. the occupants control to to uh, manage the temperature inside the house. Yes. One of the things that um, we've got some earthquake repairs to do and um, what I'm very keen to do is get some electric uh, window openers for the windows at the top of the stairwell. Right. Connect those to a thermostat down in the living room yeah. um, so that um, that will help regulate the temperature automatically. Yep. yep. Right now, um, for me to get off the couch, go up the stairs and I close those windows, it's got to it's got to get it to the point where I'm I'm uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that will start moderating it before I get uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, conscious of the time here, Dean, I I want to bring up the other project that you're involved in at the moment. Can you very briefly tell us a little bit about Magrock and why you got involved in that? Um, when you look at Timber frame construction and and you know ninety nine point something percent of houses are all timber framed. Um, when you look at where that dates back to, that goes back to um, before the effects of the industrial revolution uh, came in. I mean, the first the early settlers were building timber frame houses in, in pretty much the same way that we are now. Yeah. Um, so there hasn't been any any big technology jump. Um, yeah. The, the the thing about um, you know, Magrock, which is the structural insulated panels um, made with a um, magnesium oxide um, skins, and, and effectively magnesium oxide is a is a cement. Um, yep. it's, it's made. It, uh, there's a, there's fiberglass reinforcing, so you've got two skins of reinforced cement either side of a of an insulating core, um, and what you get is something that is vastly superior in terms of its insulation. Um, thermal bridging is a lot lower. Into, um, when you say vastly superior, what, what sort of values are we talking? Um, a, a standard um, 165-millimetre external wall um, gives a, an R value of 3.8. Yep. Now, that is a tested R value, not a theoretical or calculated uh, value. That's an, uh, tested in situ. Yes, yep. yes. Um, it's 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 tested in a, in a it's it's over a long period of time in a in a, in a proper testing machine. Yep. I've got the name of it, but there's one in Wellington. Um, and the the beauty of it is that there is there is there is minimal thermal bridging, um, and um, the other big factor for me is is the air tightness. Um, we have a huge problem with our timber frame construction where when we've got 
you know, warm air inside the house at 20 or 22 degrees, relatively high levels of humidity. Yeah. Uh, and we've got these houses that um, that leak air at phenomenal rates. Now, a, a brand new house, brands will tell you, will have four and a half air changes per hour. So that means if we're heating, we've got to heat the air in that room four and a half times every hour to, to keep it up to temperature. Um, but if that air is escaping through power points, it's around cracks in the linings, uh, underskirting boards around windows, all those sorts of things. So we've got warm, moist air moving through the structure of the house. And when you take that warm, moist air at 22 degrees on the inside um, and you've got outside conditions that could be five or, or eight degrees, you'll get a temperature gradient occurring through the wall and in the insulation. Um, we get condensation uh, occurring and then we've set up ideal conditions for mould to grow. Now, the inside, about, inside the wall? Inside the walls. Um, and so you and, wouldn't necessarily know that that's happening until no, it's too late. Correct. Now, the way that mould um, reproduces is that it, it creates these spores that, that they, 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 just, they just burst and they, and they, blow into the, um, they blow into the air around them. So when we've got air moving through the walls that, that have mould growing in them, we're bringing those mould spores back into the house. Um, and there's an awful lot of research coming out of um, Germany and other places that, that strongly indicates that our, our high rates of asthma um, and our other high rates of, of respiratory illnesses, can, a lot of it can be, can be um, attributed to, to mould growing inside our houses. Um, and so for me, to move to a solid form of construction where that mould doesn't have a chance to grow inside a wall. Mm -hmm. um, so even if you did get, end up with a situation where, for whatever reason, you had some uh, mould growing somewhere, it's it's always going to be visible. You can always get to it and, and clean it out. Um, but you, know, you can take all the other advantages that that um, that Mangrock has. It's 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 waterproof. It's it's extremely fireproof. Proof the magnesium oxide is used um, to mine industrial crucibles, um, and and that's because it, it simply doesn't it simply doesn't move, um, expand or contract when it's when it's heated to very high temperatures. Yeah. So it's 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 good from from that respect as well. But I, I think that um, for me, what makes the difference is is it's that air tightness and and the fact that. Um, we're going to be able to control the air quality within our houses um, to a much higher extent. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some of these built and seeing if we can get some um, some asthma sufferers into them and, and see what happens. Which loops back around quite nicely to the beginning where you said you, you one, one of the early influences, I guess, was being a, an asthmatic as a child yes. and, and thinking that that was normal. Well, yeah, um, and... You know, I remember going to my doctor and, and I ended up being on steroids, um, prednisone. And um, I went away and did a bit of research on this prednisone and, and you know, it, it shortens your life. Right. Um, and I went back to the doctor next time and said, oh, I don't really like the idea of this. <laughs> it's, it's not really good. It's, you know, I've read it can shorten my life. And, and my doctor said, well, it will give you a life to shorten. And... <laughs> 
Um, Pretty positive know. outlook. <laughs> but yeah, we, our houses shouldn't be doing that to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we can build better. We can do better. But you know, the Kiwi focuses on on you know big. How much can I have? How cheaply can I get it? Mm. And I think you know we need to be thinking about the quality um, of our living environments, not the quantity. Absolutely. Hey, look, I, I think that's a very good note to finish on. We could uh, carry on talking more about the virtues of better design and better products and materials, but where can people go to find out more, both about yourself and also about MagRock? Um, have a look at my website, um, which is www.dbarc.co.nz. Yep. Um, and Magrock, which is www.magroc.co.nz. Um, and um, yeah, feel free to give me a call or, or um, drop me an email. There'll be contact details on there. Great. Uh, and just before we, we close off, any, any final tips or recommendations for people who are in the sort of design phase, either as a, as a consumer or helping someone to design their own home, what, what sort of things, um, what's, what sort of top line stuff they should be thinking about when they, when they embark on that project? Um, what I would suggest is um, we don't need to create a separate space for everything that we do and in houses and have some spaces that are multifunctional. Yep. Um, that way we can keep the size of our houses down. Um, and so for a given amount of money, we can we can build a much better quality living environment. Um, and I think, you know, our houses are the second biggest in the world. Um, we're second only to the Canadians and we're even bigger than the Americans. Um, so, it's. I would. I would just urge people to think about the quality of their homes rather than the, rather than the size of them. Great, great, great tip. Thank you very much for your time, Dean. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll make Thank sure you. we put those links on the website so people can find out about you and also about Magrop. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it was a great pleasure to catch up with Dean Buckeridge and definitely check out his websites, dbarc.co.nz and also magrock, that's M-A-G-R-O-C.co.nz. There was lots in that interview. Uh, Dean covered some really interesting points, but uh, three little outtakes from me. One, asthma being normal. Uh, Dean said it right at the beginning there and I, I kind of – picked him up on it, that it was deemed, and I think it still is, deemed as a normal thing for our kids to grow up with asthma. And that it's kind of shocking, really. And we've talked about it before on the show about our houses being a health issue, and they definitely are. And to be living in that sort of environment where asthma is the norm is just not right. So that was the uh, the first thing, and obviously it's, it's shaped what uh, what Dean's done in his uh, in his time as well. The second point was about the risk of getting thermal mass wrong. We've often talked about the importance of thermal mass, but there is the potential for it to go a little bit 
pear-shaped if it's in the wrong place or if we don't account for it. If we overcompensate for that uh, coldness and overdesign for the cold and then end up overheating in the summertime. can be easily compensated if we know what we're doing and it's not that hard once you do know what you're doing. But it's just a, it's a good reminder that it's something that we you can't just chuck loads of thermal mass in and expect the house to uh, perform the way you want it to all year round. And the third point was a really interesting one about the difference between surface temperature and air temperature and the fact that anything that is below body temperature, which is 37 degrees, is going to be feel cool to the touch. And that's why if you touch something that's metal, uh, then it, it often feels cold, even though it might be relatively warm. It might be ambient temperature of the air. But uh, if it's colder than the body temperature, like when you walk around on tiles, tiles will feel cold unless they're 37 degrees. But if you leave tiles at 37 degrees for a long period of time, then eventually they'll heat the air up to that temperature as well. And then we'll feel hot because we have that hot air against our skin and we don't like to be in a hot uh, air temperature environment of the same temperature. So that was a really interesting point. And um, obviously the the impact of uh, turning the heat up so you have cozy feet is going to end up with a very, very warm room. So some good things to think about there. Um, don't forget to check out uh, both DBArc, that's uh, Dean's own website for his practice. He's got some great images on there of some of the work that he's done and, and also a bit of a blog as well. So uh, check him out there. But also have a look at Magrock, that's M-A-G-R-O-C.co.nz. Love to hear your thoughts about that. Would you use it in your uh, new home or in a renovation? Would you be keen? Uh, it's definitely got some pretty interesting properties. And so I'd be interested to to find out what people think about that. That is probably more than enough for this week. We're uh, heading up to the um, to, to the 40-minute mark. So we'll, uh, we'll call it there and love to get your feedback. And speaking of feedback, I've had some really great comments recently. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, it does make a, a big difference and um, it's nice, nice to hear. So if you have got any questions or feedback or suggestions for the show, we'd love to hear those. This is Matthew Cutler-Welsh and you've been listening to another episode of Homestyle Green. Homestyle Green.